afternoon, ladies, gentlemen, those beyond the binary, poets, perverts, explorers of all kinds of space and time, you space cases, blank faces, those low on social graces, Garth Brooks style, Jags and Jamokes, welcome to Bustin' Mouth on Q4 Radio, I'm J.W. Basillo. I'm your host, I will be running this uh, train wreck, I am the conductor extraordinaire, Matt Damon Improv is going to be uh, my guest today, that troupe will be in the here in the one o'clock hour, we shall giggle. And laugh and have a nice time. They'll talk to you about improv and uh, everything else going on in Chicago. Let's uh, just get a little taste of the rock music to get things started. You know, just a taste. Just a little bit. Just just to see if it's good. Just to see if we like it. Just to make sure it's not poison. Just a bit of the rock. Yeah, that's Cameron McGill right there, one of our favorites with the uh, great tune, Houdini, on Q4 Radio, QUE4.org, streaming live every Monday, uh, 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. You should probably know a few things uh, about me. Just a quick update for those of you that that are still in this party wagon paying attention to things. Uh, I am still in the 90 workout 90 day challenge i'm a few days behind uh, on pace but i'm but i'm hanging in there i'm 54 workouts in today i think 55 today something like that i got up and got one in uh, an easy one this morning um, i'm down about 10 pounds and the scale though is it's really discouraging because the scale measures weight tell us something we don't know captain obvious but really like if you think we all talk about losing weight right we talk we think lose weight lose weight that's the name of the game but lose weight is not really what we're looking for. When we say lose weight, what we mean is like lose fat. And I've definitely lost some fat. And I used to be like all fat, my whole body, even when I was really thin, like my body was just pure fat. There was no muscle. Uh, and now uh, I have some actual muscles like underneath the fat, which is cool. But whether I'm fat or muscle plus fat, I still just look like someone stretched a polo shirt over a mailbox on the corner. And people don't notice anyway, not really. I mean, they're just like, yeah, I noticed something was a little different. I thought maybe your beard or something. So there I am at work taking off my shirt trying to explain okay so i know what you think you see but seriously underneath this back fat there's there's a shape that wasn't there before okay so, all right all right fine, fine fine look 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 closer okay so see when i lift up this flap that looks like rotten compost stuffed inside a raw chicken skin all right cool now watch what happens when i do this uh, 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 see that that's a movement because that's a muscle that i i don't know anymore i don't know the point anymore i mean i'm doing my best i eat well i take care of myself kind of sort of i don't know anymore i mean i do eat well and i know that things take time and it's incremental etc cetera, etc cetera. it's it's just it's hard to transform your body when you're 35 uh so i've been looking for ways to expedite the process like uh, i've started looking into macro dieting woo, and uh protein gram tracking yeah, and I'm, I'm tempted to go and just see a nutritionist so they could tell me like what to do to kind of kick this can down the road a bit. Um, and I so I took like a, a body nutrition calorie test thing online. I took multiple tests online. Who am I kidding? And one asked me like specifically for my blood type, and I don't. I B O O B O O is boo is boo a thing? I think I'm blood type boo. Just boo. I don't I don't know my blood type. Who knows their blood type? And I asked someone that, and they were like, well, how else are you supposed to donate blood? I don't donate blood. That what, what in me makes you think that I donate blood? Uh, I don't even think they would take the blood I would donate. All they'd have to do is, like, smell it going into the tube. Like, ugh, what is this, four loco? We'd be better off just collecting whatever's in the bottom of a trash barrel at Pitchfork when they clean up on a Sunday night. You take this crap somewhere else, and you take get her better care of yourself, mister. And I'll be like, I'm trying. Like, well, you better try harder, yet, fat jerk. No one likes you. I don't know. I'm old. 
things are going on. I'm old, I'm broke, I'm balding. I don't even know what to do with myself anymore. But at least I'm lifting weights so I can uh, look good for no one. That's pretty exciting. Classic. Uh, you're listening to Busted Mouth Radio Show, broadcasting live out of the Q4 Radio Studios in wonderful uh, Southeast Humboldt Park, West uh, Loop, West Ukrainian, whatever the realtors are calling it right now. But it's glorious. I love this studio. It's covered in chalk and uh, posters about the revolution. And uh, it airs, we of course, air every single Monday uh, from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. on Q4 Radio. And when I say every single Monday, I mean every Monday except for uh, next Monday. We take a couple off a year, but like next Monday, we're definitely off because I am not going to be in town. I am going to be in jolly old England, and I really didn't want to say that, but I did anyway. I'm going to be in uh, glorious London, England, uh, glorious London, Great Britain, UK, not part of the EU. Uh, I had to look up, cause I, so I knew I was going. I've never been to England. I've been to Europe a number of times, but I've never actually been to England, um, and I'm not performing. I'm just kind of going because I had the opportunity to go. So I'm just going to take my broke self over to London and try to write over there for a little while, see what happens. Uh, so in the week that week or t- however long I'm going to be gone, I knew that uh, we, I didn't know what I was going to run into. So I started doing a little bit of research. I started digging around, and specifically I wanted to look into Brexit. I knew Brexit, what Brexit was, and it's the British exit from the European Union. And I'm not going to get too far into politics here. Yeah, I am. I don't care. Whatever. I'm grown. It's my show. I can do what I want. Uh, you're not paying for it. Unless you're contributing to the Patreon. Those of you that are doing that, thank you very much. But anyway, uh, so Brexit is the the British exit of the European Union. And uh, I didn't know. I mean, I knew what it was. I I remember when it happened. But I don't remember. I don't know enough about it. I didn't know the depths. So I want to talk about it a little bit. Um, So what I looked at, I mean, what what I've realized with, with Brexit is that it's a lot like... It's a lot like the United States of America electing Donald Trump in that, like, they also have this wild-haired jagoff who uh, says asinine things and wants to be a bully, but he's just a weird-looking douche nozzle, and he gets applauded for it by being, uh, you know, one of those guys who just tells it like it is, and the only people that applaud him are, you know, people who don't read. It was, I mean, and when Brexit happened, it was kind of like in, in the States, after Trump got elected, we all kind of went like, that's how, but how? How? You know, I mean, they they profoundly shot themselves in the foot because uh, by the slimmest of margins, people voted that they would rather make Britain great again than have to deal with people speaking different languages and bringing a different culture uh, to where it doesn't belong here in jolly old England. Just like, oh, spooky, just like in America. Now, um, they pretty much uh, pretty much everyone, including the old British Trump, who resigned, by the way, uh, all, pretty much everybody has, has jumped ship, just like the Americans. And they're all looking around like, all right, who voted for this? Who voted? I want names. I want names. And this is where we are. And now England is like slowly crawling its way back to the European Union, much like we'll be doing this time next year. Like, we're so sorry. We didn't mean it. We are just trying to show you how tough we are. And we apologize for our orange face guy. You know how we get sometimes. We just didn't want to have to pay for taxes for the immigrants. USA, USA. But let's be real. If you think that immigrants don't pay taxes, first of all, you're wrong. You're just wrong. You're just flat out. You've never read a book before. Um, Or maybe you just need to look into some things that aren't your own driveway. But uh, if you think 
if your taxes, right, where am I saying here? If your taxes weren't paying for immigrants to go to school and get access to health care, which is both a gross reduction of the truth and such a minority expenditure in the grand scheme, do you really think the government would be doing something you like with the money? Like, if your taxes weren't going to feed and vaccinate actual human beings, it'd just be put to use on something you don't approve of. Let it go. At least these are people. At least, if you think that all your taxes are paying for immigrants, which it's which your taxes are not. Let's just be real about it. Yeah, maybe a small percentage, but like really, that's not at all what's happening here. Uh, at least it's people. At least they're human beings that are trying to like exist and uh, thrive, just like you're trying to exist and thrive. And what else are we going to be spending money on? Another fleet of robot planes? I'm ranting. Because I'm salty about it because I'm not losing as much weight as I want to. And I have to go to England tomorrow and I'm kind of broke. In America, I feel so terrible for myself. Das Warwick, 1680 AM in Chicago, J.W. Basilla, your host, as always, you know it, uh, it's, been, it's been morose and emo today, but we're picking it up because we're in the one o'clock hour and we have our friends uh, Matt Damon Improv with us. Say hi, everybody. Hey. Hi, everybody. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I told, I, on air last week, I was like, uh, and next week we got Matt Damon and my guest was like, Matt Damon's going to be here? And I was like, <laughs> I mean, y- yeah, why would you think he wouldn't be here? Um, so I'm sure you get that a lot, right? Matt, da- well, Matt Damon's the name of the improv troupe. Yes. Or team, team troupe, troupe is like a mid-Detroit thing. Uh, you can say team. Team? Yeah, All right, yeah. cool. Go. Talk to me about Matt Damon. Uh, we usually joke that we are not the real, actual Hollywood actor Matt Damon. You're, You're welcome. welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, we are the women of Matt Damon Improv is usually how we introduce ourselves. The yeah. women of Matt Damon Improv. Because it's, yeah. it's an all-woman troupe, or all-woman team. Yes. Yeah, yes. it's an all-woman team. We're all women of color from different backgrounds, different um, histories, and we came together uh, in spite of Matt Damon. (laughs) He did a show on HBO about three or four years ago called Project Greenlight. Sure. And he decided to explain diversity to the only woman of color um, in the room, Effie Brown. And it came off as awkward as I just said it. And it inspired uh, Allison Reese to come up with this form and invited us all to come out and play and here we are two years later yeah and I think it's important to note too when we're talking about what happened on Project Greenlight that he was specifically saying that it was more important to have uh, diversity in front of the camera than behind the camera but how do you have stories that are genuine and truthful if you don't have people of color and people from diverse backgrounds everywhere in a production well yeah that's the difference between honest art and representation right 100% right. Yeah. yeah okay mm-hmm. oh I see I, I thought you chose Matt Damon the name just because it was like who's the most white guy we can who's the whitest oh. dude we can uh, just no, choose it's, it's a direct uh, reference to project Greenlight. i yeah. didn't realize that. yeah it was just so fortunate that both of those things aligned so consistently <laughs> so so what how does how is your show different than just a standard issue improv show montage setup you know whatever it is like yeah. what is it specifically about your show that that people want to come see so our show is called intersectional af 
Can AF, say that right? that's as F. Great. Yes, yes. as Terrific. F. And it's at the Annoyance Theater at 9.30 on Sundays. And we like to create a space that is an environment for people of color, people from diverse backgrounds to thrive. And our team itself, uh, we use a form that was created by Allison Reese where we invite uh, a white person uh, who's an improviser, a veteran improviser in the community who we love and appreciate and is definitely someone who is uh, woke And we invite them to play with us with the caveat that they can only repeat things that we, as women of color, have already said, forcing them (laughs) to really listen to women of color and take uh, some baby steps in our shoes. So they can repeat something that's that's already happened inside of a scene. Yep. But it had to be something that someone already said. Mm -hmm. Correct. Can they create their own material from that point no, forward it has to be a, everything, everything they say everything has to be a repetition yeah. right and oh you, it's gnarly it's and it tough. could be a words it could be a movement it could be a sound we're really we do a lot of music uh in our pieces um some of us are musically inclined some of us try to be myself um, <laughs> um but it's very fun and we we go with characters first you'll see a lot of in comedy people are like trying to outwit each other sure i think what makes this group work is that we take care of each other we're family first and also when we play that we are characters that we've always wanted to be and seen on stage and we get to tell stories yeah and that great. feels inherently uh, annoyance theater That's forward too say. right it's very annoying yeah. annoyance is all about yeah. do what's unique to you and, yeah and in a, about right. creating character, yes, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I, I started at, at Annoyance years ago, and that was the first place I, I took like a fit. I had improvised around, but it was the first place I was like, "I'm going to do the program." Mm-hmm. And then I left Annoyance and I went to other theaters and went, "I don't like the other theater." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same, same. Yeah. I remember. You, yeah, we yeah. were around the same time. We were at, we were yeah. at Annoyance. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so I'm sitting here with with Angie and Maria and Anna, and they're all they're all. Um, Obviously, uh, people. What? I am terrible at this today. Uh, no. Uh, obviously, like um, you're, you're all people. Not they're all. Why am I talking to the audience and not you? You're all people. Where did comedy start? Um, you all came together. I am half questioning my way through this. This is the how worst did, interview I've ever did done. How get into yes. improv? Yes. Uh, I, the least interesting thing you could say is like, how did you all get into improv? I'm more interested in how did you find each other on stage? Oh, yeah, for Allison. sure. Uh, Allison, so... I knew Allison. I'm from Arizona, and so is Allison. We actually grew up in the same city. Which city? Uh, Mesa, Arizona. Nothing wrong with me. That's the, I didn't that's say the there spring was. home of the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> spring home of the Chicago National yeah, League. Yeah, I, uh, I grew up a mile from that spring training, and then from went, Sloan. Uh, from Mesa, from in Mesa, like an yeah. hour. Yeah, and right. then or not an hour, a mile from there. And then when I moved, they also moved their new spring training like a quarter mile. Right, right. And now I live 15 minute walk and. I don't. I'm not a Cubs fan, so I'm sorry just, to hear they that. keep following me. Right, I, so I blame like them. I mean, whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I met Allison through that. Uh, we knew of each other because this comedy scene in Phoenix is a bit smaller. Uh, but it wasn't until I moved, we both moved to Chicago, and I opened. I was doing poetry for a show that she was running, a different show, and she was telling me about this great idea about. Matt Damon improv and just the concept of it and I was like oh I hope she asked me I hope she asked me like please ask me finally I was like if you need other people I would love to do the show she's like well we're doing it tonight and that was our first show we've had one or two rehearsals with quotes around it but honestly like we come together because we're honest with each other and it's very fun that for like 40 minutes every week I get to play with my friends but I also like well we're in constant communication throughout the week. We go and support each other, and that's more important to me. And then yes, we get to do this great show and be faces and representation that we've always wanted to see on stage. Uh, but I think that's what brings us together is that we're very we're a, we're a family. That's cool. 
Had you been improvising before in the city? Uh, yeah, I moved here about four years ago. To improvise? Uh, yeah, from yeah, yeah. Arizona. I've been doing this for about seven years, uh, but I came here with like the whole, I'm going to make it on a Herald team, I'm going to do this and do that. And the first like year and a half was awful. <laughs> like <laughs> I moved away from a comfort and like where I got to perform on a stage every week to like not really getting along with people, people being very like... Um, racist to me in classes and like really yeah both from like very blatant to like microaggressions and sometimes ah, i thought okay, okay. i was going crazy or being too sensitive because i've been told that my whole life that i'm very sensitive um and then it wasn't until i really met these women that i was like oh there's tons of people out there just like us but it was from what allison and serena who also helped allison find women um to put this group together uh they said they were having trouble finding women of color because at the time, and it still kind of is a thing, is trying to find not only, yes, you're women of color, but also talented, we'll get along, and it's not about like who can one-up each other. Sure. So it's definitely been, it's definitely changed my experience from like a year and a half where it's just like, I can't, I, why did I move to the cold from the sun to like this is what I like to do. And it's also allowed me to explore other opportunities um, with the support of these women. So, did you all did you all know each other beforehand at all? No, no. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. No. no um, Under the Gun uh, brought us together. Yeah. I was an ensemble member at Under the Gun Theater, as was Allison Reese. She was teaching there, and she hosted a, an event called uh, "For Those Who Can't." It was a Black Lives Matter event, and I shared some because you know I have a background in slam, so I shared a slam yeah, poem there, yeah, yeah. and I was all poety. And uh, she was telling me, <laughs> I was all poet. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Allison was telling me about this idea, and I was kind of like this old curmudgeon that was like, I don't do improv anymore. <laughs> you know, like, Arr. Yeah, that's weird, right? Yeah, and then she invited me to come play at the first Matt Damon improv show, and I was like, this is nice. This is different from the improv that, you know, that I was doing for years. I, I think every now and again when you've been doing it a long time, you kind of need a break mm-hmm. from it. Um, and I met Allison like, in the middle of one of my breaks, like I was just like done. It's just right place, right time. Yeah, convergence of things. Yeah. So no. you, so uh, Angela Oliver. I now full disclosure to the audience and to everyone. I mean, I've known I've known Angie for what, like ten years, yeah. probably. Like yeah. it's been a it's long been a time. Long time. Yeah. We've seen uh, different seasons of ourselves. And, yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. Like, and I initially knew you in the slam game, and then like we started seeing each other in improv uh, theaters and stuff like that. It's just kind of like how how the artist in Chicago works. Like we're constantly traipsing over each other uh doing various things and and you're absolutely right like sometimes there was a time in my life where all i wanted to do was improvise or all i wanted to do was poems or all i wanted to do was whatever and then you kind of just sort of like flux and and move around was that kind of the same for you anna did you start out in another art form or you like i'm an improviser that's what i do i say i'm an actress first an actress first okay yeah i uh i went to college Uh, i got my bachelor's in acting in los angeles and new york and i came here by route of just total life being shook upside down. I ended up, uh, I graduated from school in Los Angeles and spent an extra year out there and it just broke me as a human. And It'll I, do that. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> devastating. And I always tell people this because people are like, oh my gosh, I love LA. I'm going to go get famous. And I was like, I went and had a bunch of body issues and then moved home for a year and had to like find myself. Where's home for you? Here? Uh, Portland, Oregon. Oh, really? I know. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So this is the thing. So this is the thing. I'm from Portland from before Portland was a thing. Like, sure. I was, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm from Portland back when all of these things that people keep like 
taking from us, I guess appropriating in a way. I was there when all of those things were just normal Portland things that people did. Sure, yeah. (laughs) And so it's so bizarre to me that now it's like this super popular place. And it also sucks because every time I go home now, everything is so expensive. I don't want to do anything when I go home. Yeah, I no, I get that. I had a friend who's from who lived moved from uh, Boston, Massachusetts to Portland, oh, yeah. right? Which is a big jump, yeah, right? Yeah, and he goes, you sh- "You'd love it out there. You actually should come." And then he's telling me, and, and like as he's like, trying to explain Portland to me, he, go, he stopped and he goes, "It's just way too white for you, isn't it?" I'm like, "It's it's never gonna <laughs> it work. Is. I need I need a little dirt in my sandwich. I can't make it happen in Portland." And you know, and I think that's one of the things that really. Uh, as soon as okay so my story with Matt Damon is is different than these ladies because I'm actually the newest addition and I uh what happened for me was so I was in Portland and I was doing improv and I like on a whim uh was in Chicago and auditioned for the conservatory the second city conservatory second city conservatory <laughs> and I uh and I got in and I moved here a month later just like totally on a whim oh wow okay yeah and uh and it was about who I think it took me about four or five months of living in Chicago to see another Latina doing improv. And it was Yasmin Ramos, who is also on the team with us. And uh, by just random, like, chance, I ended up at the Chicago Improv Festival in 2016. And I saw Matt Damon perform. And it I'm, like, getting chills just thinking <laughs> about it. And it was just, like... I don't know if you believe in fate, but it was one of those moments that I was like, I could have been anywhere in the city of Chicago that night. And I was in that room and I like everything made sense. And so from that time on, I like, I became friends with Allison Reese and a couple other girls on the team. And I subbed in a couple times. And then, um, last year in March, uh, they asked me to join. And it was honestly like, I, it, it was like, this is why I moved to Chicago. Like it's it's not for for improv per se. It's not for you know trying to get famous. It's for creating these spaces and being with people who like appreciate you as a human and an artist second. Like I know these ladies care about me, and what that's why the work we do is so important because we we give a space now for other artists to feel that way too. In the past year, even with the creation of the Chicago Diverse Comedy Community, mm-hmm. like we have reached out to each other and built a whole community. And I think Matt Damon Improv has a huge part of that, at least for me. And the show's, it shows every single, every what, Sunday, Sunday right? Yep. Yeah, every single Sunday. And you're still mm-hmm. drawing crowds and it's doing well? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's great. And, yeah. and more than that, like, the word of what we do has spread, like, dramatically. We're going to be headlining five different festivals in the next, like, oh, wow. four months. I mean, we're getting the opportunity to really spread the word, the good word of Matt Damon. Spreading the word of Matt Damon. <laughs> yes, Did, has Matt Damon... His, his people probably no. haven't. But Effie no. Brown has. Effie yes. Brown oh, has. for real? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, she told us when we're Tell me that story, somebody. Uh, Effie gave us her blessing. She's mm-hmm. following us on Instagram, and every now and again she'll comment on a post, and it's pretty awesome. Uh, I don't know if you caught uh, the Tribune's feature on women in comedy in Chicago. No, Just I a didn't. Couple of, like, a, I guess last month or so. Yeah, mm-hmm. like two. Um, two months ago they did a, a feature on women in comedy in Chicago. And Matt Damon, we had. We, we got a, oh, wait, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. I did see yeah. that. Yeah, I did funny see girl. That. We got a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had another feature. Another yeah. friend yeah, contributed to that. Yeah, so we posted that, yeah. that and she's told us to keep up the good work. Yeah, and she then, read the article. And yeah. She said, when you come out to LA, reach out to her, which is great. So Maybe she'd sit in. Does she improvise? I don't know Effie Brown. I, I just don't. No, she's, so. a, she's a director. Yeah, I don't know. Dear white people. I, I don't think she does improv. I don't know. 
Although, right. now that I'm thinking about it, how much fun would it be to do a form like cut to and have her like direct us through our improv? Have you Effie, ever, have if you're you seen, listening. <laughs> what was the form? They used to play, what was it called? The scene or something? It was like yes. TJ and a whole bunch of cats that used to play yeah. it back in the old basement. Um, used to play that same form. Yeah. Where they would cut it and be like, all right, this isn't working, so let's go ahead and... Does that still happen? Yeah, that is still a form. Yeah. I, I think that. that's. I yeah. think that show still happens at I.O. Thursdays or something. Oh, no. Well, I don't do... I mean, I don't go I don't go to I.O. at all since the new space. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll, I've gone and seen TJ and Dave a couple times, you know, because, or I've you yeah. know, supported uh, whoever else. But, like, generally, I don't go to the new space because it's, it's such a... Uh, nothing against it. It's it's very big and nice and stuff on the inside. But I miss I miss the old the scummy old basement, was, was like really when cozy. it was on Clark. Yeah. I I used to be there three nights a week, even yeah. when I wasn't improvising. Even before I started taking classes and stuff, I was just like where I would be. It was yeah. cozy, but it was in Wrigleyville. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but it was right off the red line. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I would work. I would bartend or whatever it is downtown. Get on the red line, and then I'd catch whatever late show was happening. Mm-hmm. And those a lot of so like I used to watch see TJ and Dave every. Whenever, well, I don't remember what nights they were running then, but it was like I would see them almost every week because it was a four dollar show, right? And there'd be like twelve people in the room, <laughs> and it was awesome. Like it was just the, it was the coolest. It was but there was more divey. Yeah, I, now. I now it feels the like a club. Like you go in yeah. there, it feels kind of like you're at a club. Well, and they got to yeah. fill space, so they yeah, they have like yeah. they have stand up shows now and a karaoke or whatever. The I don't know yeah. if that's it's, true. It's a business. So yeah, it's a business. Like a lot of these yeah. places, people forget that. Yes, I could do my show here, but they're a business, too. And so what we're trying to do is we're very thankful to have a home as the annoyance. And we want to create our own thing outside of the annoyance, too. Mm-hmm. So that's why we're working on writing. Um, we want to produce more outside content as well. But we're very thankful that annoyance lets us perform there. And we enjoy having them there. The people there are great. You, you go there, and it's... Ange and I have talked about it's like almost like our cheers kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, annoyance is great like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I've yeah. been lurking there for the past decade. <laughs> yeah. People it, ask me how to, because I teach there now, and they're like, how do you get a teaching job here? I was like, you just lurk. You just kind of, <laughs> if you just hang around, like if, if you don't be a jerk, you keep your head down and you stay long enough, yeah, like yeah. it'll eventually. Yeah. That was the cool thing about annoyance too, because we used to be, because I was at the, I used to perform at the Green Mill two yeah, nights and they were a, right next twice door. a week. Yeah. And then I'd take a, then I had one class at night and then I'd perform usually one night a week at, at Annoyance. So I would just like live on that block and I'd yeah. miss, it was just the coolest. It was, mm-hmm. it was just yeah. people sitting around being cool. Well, because yeah. that's, and honestly, that's something that I love so much about improv in general is that my social life and my like artistic, you know, satisfaction come from the same place, which mm-hmm. is so nice because I don't have to have, I mean, I do have friends outside of improv. They are few and far between, but most of my friends, I see them like every single day that I go somewhere, I see someone that I know at, if I go to an improv theater sure. at night because we have so many people that we have interacted with and come and, you know, just like given opportunities to. And then those people like are like part of your circle and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger mm-hmm. until the point where you just like every every time we go into any theater, it's a party. Yeah. And well, it all depends, too. I think like everybody's every, all the groups are a little bit different. Like when I used to hang out at a certain place where there were comedy purveyors and students uh it was a lot of like one up one up yeah. one oh, up, I know one that up. Place. Uh, well there's <laughs> we i really can't say that place and i got the no talk about that i got no use for a lot of that yeah. um, no, but i, I do like but i do love hanging out with improvisers especially like the annoyance like you could do you could get drunk and say any foolishness out of your mouth and you just be like oh i'm just doing a bit and everyone goes oh he's doing a bit it's cool it's fine it's fine you're hanging out with comedians <laughs> yeah they just kind of let you get off the hook I, so go ahead please I admittedly like i feel like i'm the injured like i need to sometimes just go into my church 
turtle shell underneath my blanket with my flashlight and read my book. Because sometimes, like, the stage is where I extrovert. Sure. Like, that's... And after that, it, it's overwhelming after shows when people come at me and they're, like, talking at my face and they're high energy and I'm just like, uh... Well, do you feel like it's a social climber thing or do you... No, I, I think I just need that alone time. No, I mean when people are coming at you in high energy and that sort of thing. Uh, Is it like, oh, we like want the FaceTime, we want you, yeah, you know... Yeah, a little bit of both, but joke's on them. I'm bad with names. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, it's a little bit of that, of, like, social ladder climbing, like, let me, see, you know, yeah. get in your face. But some people are genuinely, like, excited about of what we're yes. doing and like very much I like kind of what Anna was talking about earlier when I lived here for a summer before I officially moved here and I saw one Latina on a stage and that was off stage and that was Lily B and that was like the only person <laughs> I saw and granted I only went to IO because that's where I was taking classes and like I, if you were performing 2013 in that summer I saw you on stage because I went to every show that year um but then when I moved here I counted five and so like I knew all five of those people so I think for them, yes, it is. Sometimes it's like, let me talk to you, let me get in front of you. Um, and it can be overwhelming, but sometimes it's like, you're someone that I see on stage. Mm-hmm. And we do other shows as well, um, individually. And uh, another show that um, me and a couple other people do uh, that are part of Matt Damon is Burlesque is More. I love it, that show. It's Yeah, it's a great show. And Chris Kervick took over the directing. Oh, I didn't know that. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, and so he... It's just inside baseball over here. Like, <laughs> yeah. hey, you know everybody I know? Great, cool. Yeah, yeah, Go yeah. <laughs> well, and he, what he did was he cast based on talent, not based on your look. And so people bring different things and what have you. And so it definitely, like, it's different body types, different ethnicities, different, um, you know, what have you. And it's just such a good show because he, based on talent... And people will come up to us after that show or they'll go to Matt Damon and say, I saw you in Burlesque's more last night. And it's so great to see someone who looks like me on stage, which like for me, I didn't have the benefit of until I guess now. (laughs) It seems that way, too. Like it used to be all the like every improv team was a bunch of white dudes Mm -hmm. and then like one brassy white woman that could keep up. Yeah. Yeah. Or that was loud enough that dudes respected Mm -hmm. her. Right. Right. Well, And I mean, truly. For me, that is one of the biggest reasons why I ended up leaving Los Angeles was when you are surrounded by people who their worth is tied into their physical appearance and skill doesn't matter uh, because you can teach someone how to say words into a camera, but you can't teach talent. Sure. Mm-hmm. But if you won't even let someone talented into a room because they're not the size right. you expect them to, or the right stereotype, I will never be the regular stereotype of a Latina because I didn't, I, there is no one type of Latina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I ended up going into improv basically for the same, that exact reason is I can be, anything I want and my skill is so much higher than some of the people that just show up to LA and were the prettiest person in their town Mm -hmm. and it's exhausting thinking that I am not enough when it's literally that there the rules are so messed up sure (laughs) and so being in a city where I'm playing with people of all shapes and sizes of all different backgrounds and being like Oh, we are all so good. We all deserve to be on TV. Yeah. Oh, let's just make our own shows. That's yeah. why stuff like Code Switched is so important. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But are you starting to move in that direction, or have you thought or discussed moving in that direction, like creating a show or a web series or you know anything aside from just the stage? You already have one. No, we don't have. One, but we're, oh. we're in talks. We're yeah. in, well, in talks. Tell me about it. What's the point? Why or not? What's the point? But like, what's the? <laughs> what's the point? What, I don't yeah. Know. Why? What is why the point would you? Why would you? Why would you broads want to keep doing this? No. Why? Um. <laughs> no. Like. 
what's the or what's the crux of the show? Like, what's the whole? What's the driving force behind well, it? We're all so different, and mm-hmm. we want to be able to create characters that celebrate that difference. None of us are, you know, even within the POC umbrella, there's so many different types of, you know, mm-hmm. person you could be, and I don't think that we get to see enough individuality within that umbrella. It's almost like diversity within diversity. Like, right. And tagging onto that, too, is uh, the majority of content that is, uh, speaking of people of color specifically, the, P- the content that's POC specific is almost always just about them being uh, a person of color sure. and not right. the other experiences that they have that they have in their lives so it's like if you have a person of color who's cast in a show, your expectation is for them to write only POC content. And it's like, no, I want to talk about having mental illness. I want to talk about body uh, positivity or, you know, body dysmorphia and like all these things. But it's like, I'm not allowed to have those other sure. feelings or, or points of view because I have to talk about this one thing that's like in the zeitgeist right now. Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes it could be exhausting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, like, Every day, sometimes you're just like, I just, can we talk about something I watched on television or when I used to work a nine to five at this last job I had or uh, whatever, I don't work there anymore. Um, <laughs> it was very much like they they only wanted to talk about my culture versus me, the person. Right. And right. then they didn't even want to get to know that part about my culture. Like they confused me for different cultures. They just was, again, with the microaggressions and you're trying to get to work so I can pay it so I can get money so I, then I could do this thing that I want to do. And uh, it it can be really exhausting. So this is why like our stories need to be told and shown because a lot of times that's the only access you see of someone who looks like me is either they are for for a Mexican they're the maid they're the gangbanger or they're the loud like boisterous or they're uber sexy and you know sometimes I just want to sit down and watch TV and not have to be like mad about TV. So <laughs> that's what, really it. So are your when you're doing characters? Do you feel like your characters are specifically? Are you making the effort to create characters that aren't that go against the stereotype that go against the archetype? No, um, I think I can use some of that. We just la- last day in our show we had an ab- abuela fight. <laughs> and it's Wait a like, you had an abuela fight? Yeah, yeah our we characters abuela were abuelas. Fight. That's fun. And then we had a, a, a rap battle with quotes, again, with quotes around it and, like, dancing and stuff. So you can use that, like, the language as a celebration. You can use things that are, quote, unquote, stereotype. But everyone's a character. Everyone has more than one dimension. And that's something we definitely really push. We actually teach a workshop about stereotypes. And what we do is we teach how to use that stereotype but flip it on its head. So the abuela fight that we're talking about turned into us actually being frustrated with the patriarchy for making it seem that women's only, um, like, their their highest potential is being a mother. You don't have to be a mother to be a, a well-rounded woman. And so it's that idea of using these stereotypes as a weapon as opposed to people forcing them on us and using them to demean and degrade what we do. And we will be teaching that workshop in <laughs> Chicago. I, girls, plug. you know. You know. Uh, we, we're teaching it at the Bentwood Festival uh, Sunday the 12th. So we will have like a Breaking Stereotypes uh, workshop because that's the thing too is we think about stereotypes but because we've done the work in order to mm-hmm. to find the deeper meaning into why those are powerful human beings and how to make three-dimensional people out of them, it's not like cut and dry, like, this is from 1950s, what we expect. Mm-hmm. No, this is like our modern world. Those are the mm-hmm. characters that we play. So, uh, Angela, what, what kind of, like, what's your go-to 
character. <laughs> I'm <laughs> curious because my my dude is always just like, oh, man. I'm just I'm like an angry coach um, because I have a musical background. It's something musical or something noir, you know. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. From that period, um, I grew up watching a lot of classics. And very, I did a lot of old people things. <laughs> very. What do you young. mean you did a lot of old people things? Uh, like watching Turner Classic movies. All oh. <laughs> okay. And listening to like old, you know, records, Motown and sure, and blues and. So, like, how, so how does uh how does a will you talk me through or walk me through how does uh, like a Matt Damon set work out? We like take, start to finish. We take a suggestion from the audience. Okay. Uh, uh, one that empowers some, you or something like a saying or anything. So we want to make sure, again, the show is welcoming, the audience feels welcome and also empowered. Yes. So we will give them a suggestion. Like, like uh, give me something you say to yourself to get you through the day, like uh, a penny save, whatever. A penny save sure, is a penny sure, earned. Sure. And I always joke and say, like, fuck you, I'm a shine. Um, cool. That's my joke. Instead of saying I got your back, mm-hmm. I say I fuck you. But it's yeah, yeah. Joke. Okay, we're on the radio. Oh, oh I'm so sorry. <laughs> so sorry. All right. Ah. Woo! Great. Oh, no, it's it. cool. So, I'm gonna go ahead. We made it. No. It's fine. It's cra- We're it on. A, we're on a delay, and I'll believe it. But uh, okay. um, so it'll be fine. Uh, anyway, so the uplifting idea. <laughs> No, it's cool. So I just had, like, I just had TJ in from Preach the other day, yeah. last week. So his, th- or two weeks ago, his thing is like, uh, what's uplifting you right yes. now? It's like yeah. his question. Is yes. that is that kind of becoming more common? Like people no. asking questions or just like, we'll take a suggestion of we anything. Just, we just wanted it to be something positive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because it helps us for what we do after the suggestion, which is telling um, personal stories based that, that we think of based off of whatever the suggestion was. Uh, which is a pretty interesting way to start the show because it's kind of like a living room. And also we love that idea of like just sharing parts of ourself with the audience because we can all glean such wonderful material off of just the most like, I don't know. I, I just always think about, we tell a lot of stories about like, oh, when I was a teenager or like when I played sports or all of these things. And then we learn about each other and yeah. then we use those things. And because we know each other so well, we're able to sort of like, I don't know, I guess goad one another. Well, also too, <laughs> we, it's sort of, so before the show, like I know improv teams like to play games, which is do you, um, but we like to just chat. We like to chat after the show and anything, and we also learn a lot about each other. I think that's what kind of grew our friendship. So when we're on stage, not only we're telling stories, but I think also, too, we'll kind of make each other laugh with, like, little inside jokes um, that, honestly, is just funny to us. Or people do different things that are, like, edits, again, with quotes around it, uh, that are just, honestly, to make the other person laugh. Sure. And if the audience laughs, great. Uh, we want them to enjoy it. But also, like, we want them to see that we're having a good time and that you're here in a, a good spot. And even though the world's garbage sometimes, um, for this, like, hour and 15 minutes, it won't be. And I think sharing stories that are, that are inspirational to us at the top yeah. helps, you know, propel the whole show forward. Like, you know, start on a positive note. Mm-hmm. So, so there's... Is there a – do you ever – do you pregame at all? And I know you chat and stuff, but do you ever – do you pregame at all and go, all right, so let's try to see if we can bring that character back. Or let's – we did this thing. It's all pure improv. It's all – I don't know. Yeah. Every, every team's a little different. No, it's all, yeah. it's all pure improv. Yeah, people will bring back characters on their own that, like, 
we recognize or we know that people play it. And so then sometimes we'll kind of, okay, we know that this character does this. Sure. Um, and we'll play off that. But the audience, unless you've gone to every single show, then you probably won't know. <laughs> yeah, we've got a couple of bits that uh, return. So people who come and see the show a lot, they'll often see, uh, we have two specific bits that I can think of, which is, has this ever happened to you? <laughs> oh, man. And Allison usually just steps in front of all of us and turns it into some form of infomercial. And then the other one and is... And she says a celebrity, too, and it's always yes, the most random it's celebrity. The most random celebrity. And then uh, the other one is when there's a scene that's like either really awkward or we like don't exactly know where it's going, someone will hop in the audience and go, what kind of porn is this? Yeah, <laughs> it's, so... yeah it's really silly. <laughs> So people who come to see a lot of shows will will just immediately start laughing because they're like, oh, we know this bit. So, and it makes us laugh, too. So what makes a good Matt Damon? Because you call all – Matt Damon is the is your stand-in white guy, right? It's the white guy. So what makes a good Matt Damon? Or, Besides, like, or, listening like all improvising is. Like, what what is the difference between someone who's really successful as your Matt Damon and someone who's not as successful? Well, if they're a woman, we call them Lena Dunham because she knows what she did. <laughs> uh, that's another joke someone uh, said Mm. Uh, what makes a good one honestly besides listening we take care of them so they have to try really hard to fail and I don't think anyone's really failed that's just my opinion well that's good yeah just come and have fun and we take it just fun just have fun and listen yeah and don't be afraid to play yeah and I think uh, good Matt Damon's and Lena Dunham's we've had are willing to take risks Uh, I think some people just get really scared and they just stick to the sidelines until we pull them out sure but the ones who go out there either with a strong physicality or just I I remember um, when we played with uh, Susan Messing and Rachel Mason at the Chicago Women's Funny Fest last year uh, they just found one word that they repeated for the entirety of the set and we we worked and it was hilarious but uh you know just just finding what works best so what did what did Lita Dunham do? What Lita Dunham? Yes, oh, right. Start with, oh let's my gosh, we're even. No, let, we got. Yo, we're filling time. Talk to me, <laughs> and I look. I understand. I don't. I'm not a fan of hers. But what right. was it like when you say you, she knows what she did? What did she know? So here's the thing. There's a lot that she's done, but it comes down to this. People make mistakes. People will miss will say something they didn't mean. They'll do activities or something that's just they shouldn't do, and people will be like, "Hey, here's why you shouldn't do that." She's been told that several times, and she continues to do that, and she continues to profit off people, especially people of color, and not care how it hurts or who it hurts. That's just my opinion. I mean, a lot of it revolves around her casting for girls, the way that she's handled uh, some of the POC characters on that show, and and also uh, she's had some pretty unsavory comments about diversity in general that mm-hmm. uh, lump together come up with us so lovingly naming our 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 guests lena dunham's uh, it it in the same way that matt damon has over and over again shown that he just isn't aware there's a difference between being someone who wants to seem like they're with it and someone who genuinely believes it and right. it's it's kind of it's one of those things where it's like can this be taught to a certain generation of people that have been raised in a particular way. Lena Dunham is someone who came from a very uh, well-educated, uh, highly, um, she 
had a lot of wealth growing up and was not surrounded by a very diverse background of people. And in in some of the ways that she treated people on her shows, it is very apparent that people of color are props in a larger story that she's just trying to tell about herself instead of giving these people agency or <laughs> multiple dimensions, I would yeah. say. Oftentimes when you see like television and movies we're often cast as the best friend with that makes the quirks, but you never know, like, does the best friend like to, what food they like to eat, or, like, do they have a love interest? And I think we're now starting to see more movies like that, and you're starting to see those movies make money, but oftentimes it's, like, that push of, like, look, we're out here, we're here, and one day, hopefully, we'll have to keep repeating that, but I don't see it happening for a little bit, but I hope to be part of that movement that does. All right, word. So we got... We got uh, we got plenty of time, but I'm gonna go ahead and ask this question now, just because I'm interested. <laughs> I asked this question for everybody, all the performers, and almost all the guests are performers. Worst show you ever did? <laughs> Not necessarily as Matt Damon individually, like what? Just anybody? What's the worst show you ever did? Oh, I remember this show. Okay. Please tell me. It was me. like two years in, and it was in Arizona, and we were taking classes, and we had a show, and it was our we had like a four week run. This is an imp- uh, improvisation. Arizona. It's in Arizona, um, but I mean, this was you were improvising. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So we decided that it's our last show. We're gonna get real drunk, and when you have nine people really drunk doing improv, <laughs> no, I, thank you. I don't. It's no. awful, and at the stage was small. It was just a bad show, and I, I was so drunk, but I remember feeling how bad that show was, and then we went out and continued to drink, and um, and then I. My parents lived really close to the theater, so I slept at their house, but then I had to go to work the next day, and my mom comes knocking on the door at, like, 6 a.m. Mind you, I just got home at 2 a.m., and uh, I was just so sick, and I had to go to work, and I was just laying, like, on my cube wall, like, wanting everything to end. Oh, this is, like, a weeknight. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) it was, like, an awful show, plus continuing my drinking and, like, laying on my cube wall, and I had to go home from work, but, like... I was still, I think I was still drunk because I didn't drive. So I called a taxi to take me home and I just left my car at work because I just couldn't function as an adult. <laughs> oh, and that's my worst show. That's rough. Yeah. It have was, you been, have you, do you drink before a show since? Um, I'll have a drink, but I tend to not, for me personally, because I, I know it can like hinder that thought or like make me too loose. But like afterwards, sure. But like also like in these spaces, I, I like to have fun with my friends, but I also like to be around people that I trust. Sure. And if I maybe I'm not around a lot of people I know, I would tend not to drink just because people are people are people. So yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. That's a, so. Do you remember the show being specifically bad? Oh yeah, it was awful. Like in, if you're so drunk that you know the show is going bad. That's how bad it was. But I've also been in shows and been like, I know this is terrible, but I'm just going to keep playing no, like it's good. it was so bad. You know that thing like when you sit on the back line and you like leaned in and you're just looking at each other like, this is, this is not going well <laughs> at all. But if, yeah. As long as we keep smiling and laughing along, it'll be fine. Yeah. No, it was so, I, it was so bad. It was, I can't even tell you what happened. I'm sure there's a bit, because of the theater I, I was at films all our shows. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there's a video of it somewhere and I refuse to watch it. Eh, fair enough. Yeah. What about uh, anyone else? Um, worst show I've ever did was actually not improv. It was a slam in Boston at Cantab <laughs> Lounge. Were you featuring um, there? We. It was Words That Kill. Oh, okay. It was a group piece. 
and we had oh, oh, I remember oh, oh, oh. This story. oh so this was at this was at a, the national slam yes it was so this was at the national slam you were on the team <laughs> we had rehearsed and we had parts and we had cues and, and we were making it theatrical because we were going to be avant-garde uh, um and somebody missed their cue line and it just went downhill from there <laughs> And I just kept repeating. I kept, I looked, I looked at my teammate. Yeah. And I laughed, and I just kept repeating. I'm a stream of Barbie beauty because I knew that that was like <laughs> one of my lines. So I just kept doing that and waving because I knew that we were making commentary on beauty standards. And so like, but I don't think anybody got it. And we just, it was a train wreck. So how did it score? I don't even. I think. <laughs> I think we were mortified, and I just couldn't stop laughing because poets are really serious. Like they get really serious, yeah. and I'm still. I was like half poet, half yeah, like yeah, comic, yeah, yeah. and so I'm just cracking up. But I also wanted to be sensitive to the team. But it was just such a train wreck, and it was in a Cambridge, and they're also academic. Yeah, and I could hear the whispers of like, "What? What?" But it was kind of good. I don't know. It's trying to train. So there was like split. Like some people, yeah, were like, like, like it was experimental and deep, and then other people were like, "That was awful." Yeah, it's it's only good if you don't get it in yeah, Cambridge. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was it was a, it was bad. Really uh, yeah, yeah, I've I've had some rough nights at the Cantab myself. What about you? Mine was the one and only time I've ever done bar prov, and I will now never. Now, bar, bar prov, just for the audience, <laughs> bar prov is like when, outside of a theater, when you're improvising in a bar space, right? Yes, and it was just, I will never forget this night. I was uh, with a team that we'd been put together uh, through the crowd theater. It was, uh, what do they do, the co-op? Mm-hmm. And so it was a co-op team, and it was only like three or four of us. And we were doing a set in this bar, and there was, I don't know, maybe three people in the audience, maybe four. Were they in the audience, or were they just like people <laughs> at the bar I, that they night? Were, I, I don't I honestly don't know because when some of those people end up roped in that way, you're just like, I don't know where you came from. Sure. But they decide to sit on the seats that are closest to the the stage. And one of the people was a stand-up comic and his uh, girlfriend, person, whatever. And we did – I mean, we were were failing from the start. And you know you're doing bad when all of a sudden you're looking at the audience to tell you what – what to do next you're like what do you think is funny so we could keep doing this and you're just like floundering and floundering and floundering and the reason why it's the worst show i've ever done is because as soon as we sat down to watch the stand-up come up the stand-up comes up and he says hey that improv group uh you should all get your phones out and call your parents and tell them you're gonna go kill yourselves because of how horrible you just did oh and what a sweet guy he literally spent the first 10 minutes of his set telling us how horrible we were how we should apologize to our families and to everybody in this bar for doing comedy and this was like i think in the first year that i was improvising so i was wow. just so devastated i was like oh my god i'm not good at comedy i should quit and i was like no i'm not gonna let this stupid stand up tell me what to do also he's performing the same show and the same bar so who who is he and then he spent the last five minutes talking about a small penis so i was mm. like this makes sense yeah this checks out well and as a stand-up like he's got to comment <laughs> like you have to comment on what's going on in the room oh the same God. way as right. an improviser you have to comment what's in what's happening on the stage right yeah, yeah. but to go he that far oh into gosh. it it was woof it was a <laughs> it was a night do you remember the remember who the comic was oh no no and I hope I never see him again. I'm sure I wouldn't even remember. It was so dark in that bar. <laughs> and that was the other thing, too, was they didn't have lights. So we were just, you were just like in, in a the just dark. Just playing in a bar? And we didn't have, we, they didn't pull lights or anything. They were just kind of like, and you're done. <laughs> and we're like, wow. Thank you. What was the bar? 
Oh, I don't know Chicago? the name of it. it. Yeah, it's the bar that's underneath under the gun. Um, oh, the underground. Yes, the underground. That's yeah. The yes, worst and it was. To oh my god! <laughs> Never again. I won't even. I whenever I'm going into under the gun now, like I won't even look over there because I'm so <laughs> embarrassed. Yikes! <laughs> that's a little. Yeah, that's, that's a, a hard place. That's a rough bar to perform. Right. In. I'm like, and and that's the thing too is, and I always say this when you are putting improv into a show that also has stand up. It's a terrible idea. It's so bad Terrible because idea. your audience won't know how to watch improv after watching a stand-up because stand-ups, their whole job is to do set-up, punchline, set-up, punchline. And improv is much more situational. And, and I mean, some scenes are set-up, punchline, but it's a different kind of funny. And that's something that about comedy is in the first, like, minute of your set you have to teach your audience how to laugh at you sure and if if they've already been trained one way even in that just one night oh my gosh we did a set a couple of weeks ago um at the chicago athletics association and there was two improv groups and five stand-ups and we were like what is happening? Wait a minute, the Chicago Athletic Association? There was like a special event. They were oh, having like Is that one of the it's one of those posh like uh got a fancy ballroom attached to a gym yes, downtown it, kind of things? Yeah, it was oh. it was the one downtown, the Athletic Association Hotel and it was oh, like, okay. I mean, the place was stunning. It was beautiful. Yeah. Like what? Wow. We took pictures cuz we were like, this is a nice place. It was to a be. good it was a good bathroom, so it was good pictures. It was a great bathroom. Yeah, great lighting. Yeah, but also the it was it's just interesting to have like a show that has stand up and improv because you're never sure what the audience is right. going to do, and especially oh. with like with stand up, they are because they've seen it, they get it. Like this is how stand up works. With improv, they're not aware. It can sometimes be like, wait, what are they doing? Is this like sketch and? You and know. stylistically, it's so yeah. different because there are a lot yeah. of teams that play like really slow burn style and yeah. like let's build this, let's build this so that you get the payoff in that last yeah. act, last yeah. act, in this, yeah. you know, or and whatever I, it is. But if you're just one of those, just an, no one knows exactly what's going to happen. That's yeah. really rough. And I think it's different too because we have stand ups all the time open right. for Matt Damon. But the difference was, especially in a show like that, is when you come to a Matt Damon show, you're like, oh, I know there are going to be openers, and I know it will be like different types of creative sure. and then improv at the end. But when you're going to just like a generic comedy show and then all of a sudden you have improv, you're like, and, and you've had like three or four standups in a row. You're like, what? Well, <laughs> and I keep trying to explain this to people. Like when you go to, if you go music or bleh, comedy is as diverse as music is. Right. Mm-hmm. So for the same reason that I love going out to see music and if people are like, you want to go see live music? I'm like, yes, what are we seeing? And they're yeah. like, I don't know. It's just music. Just come on yeah, down. And no. then you end up at some country western bar. You end up at a chamber show or whatever it is. Like that's how, dis- like how disparate comedians can be mm-hmm. or improvisers can be. Yeah. Set the set is like comedy's not for- like Larry the Cable Guy is not Matt Damon. No. Like it's a very different <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry that uh, I don't know why we keep trying to do improv and stand up or stand up or improvisers opening for stand ups. Doesn't make any sense to me. I see people doing it all the time. It's just never. It's n- I've never seen it work. No, yeah. unless you have like an, an audience that is specifically improvisers and stand-ups, sure. and that's that's a lot of what doing comedy, especially when you first start in Chicago. A lot of what you do is just performing for other performers, of course. So then they sort of understand it more because they've been in those like mixed atmospheres. But when you're dealing with people who like don't see comedy on a regular basis, or they're only used to like sitting in front of Netflix at home watching stand-up specials, it's mm-hmm. very different. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like mm-hmm. even Lincoln Lodge. Like I've done the Lodge bunch, and I like. I've got nothing but love for that for that mm-hmm. show. Um, but I've I've done it as like the variety. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm like the 
Yeah, I'm going to say some funny stuff, but also I'm not going to say funny stuff. Like, I'm going to do, right. you know, I'm going to talk about feelings a little bit. And then there's this yeah. kind of like, generally, if the show is going well, when it gets to me or whoever the variety is, uh, the, the audience is like, yes, game recognizes game. Right. Some things are undeniable if you're doing well. But if like, if, if the stand-ups are bombing, because it happens, some crowds are, mm-hmm. you know, people, stand-ups bomb for the audience out there, stand-ups bomb way more often than you think they do. It's like, <laughs> and it's everyone all the time. Yeah. Someone is always bombing. Right now, there's a comic bombing, <laughs> and there's one more. So, like, sometimes you're that variety act where you get in there and you go, "That went really well." And sometimes you go, "They hated every mm-hmm. second of me being right. on that stage." I just did a. Uh, this was in June, so like a month and a half, two months ago, I did a poetry like at a variety show, and they put me second. Oh, you write poetry? Yeah. I'm going to mute your mic. Uh, I'm sorry. Oh. Go ahead. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I've got a yeah, two-pack. I'm kidding. Like, I'm sorry. That I was, was going to go on the bus home. Sorry. Um, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I, I, was, I thought we were doing joke. it. I was just doing a bit. No, I know. I, no, I lost my train of thought. I was doing a bit. All right. So uh, you were doing, it, you were doing oh, poetry they me, at a- They put me second, which okay. is whatever. And then, but they put me after this stand-up who clearly didn't want to be there and clearly didn't like the audience. So then I'm like, here's, here's me doing uh, some poems why i'm here i'm not sure and i like did you intro it like that i well i said i try to be funny but they already this guy kind of like attacked the audience in a way whereas like why are you here why are you in my neighborhood and all this stuff and it was just so awkward he's like well what do you want me to talk about like you're a stand-up you should like and then you'd think you would have worked this out ahead of time yeah and then i was like um i try i do like a funny bit and nobody laughed i'm like cool so now I'm going to talk about feelings because this is as funny as it's going to get. <laughs> so, and then I had to leave early. It was just so – it was – that was awkward. It was – I didn't do bad. The show was just awkward. <laughs> it's uh, – and that, there are a lot of awkward shows. That's the thing. Like there's yeah. so much entertainment, especially in Chicago, but like all over the world. Like there's so many shows and there's so many shows for everyone. Yeah. And there are so many shows out there that aren't for the people that are in the room. And it right. just happens that way. It's mm-hmm. unfortunate, but it's just yeah. that way. Yeah. It's even like on Netflix. Like, how many things look good on Netflix? I got 300 things in my Netflix queue, and I watch like 12 minutes of any of them go, this is not at all what I expected. Can I tell you a movie not to watch on Netflix? Please. Last week, me and Felicia, Felicia is another member of Matt Damon, we watched this this movie called Kissing Booth. It's (laughs) awful, and I'm recommending people not watch it. What is Kissing Booth? Ugh, okay. So... This. You brought it up. I you brought know, it up. Don't, I know. I realize. Don't, don't come in here like all tea and shade and then be like, ugh, I don't want to explain the tea and the shade. It. No, so the short end of it is this two best friends and they're in high school and one of the girls starts dating the the friend's older brother and it's they're too dramatic. They're 16 and they're like running around and they're just like too much Disney, too much Disney for my liking. And then just is so cheesy. You already know what's going to happen is they're going to end up together. But first there's like a 16 year old taking off her shirt and then they're drinking and they're jumping in pools. And I'm just like, either I'm too old for this or this is a bad movie and it's a bad movie. But like of all, I've watched 300 movies on Netflix, like since this morning, mm-hmm. like of all the movies that you could have just, you just brought that one out of the sky. Like what drew the ire that hard? So Felicia and I like uh, bad romantic comedy movies, but that was even bad for us. So, oh, like we okay. enjoy like Hallmark movies and Lifetime movies. That's like our friendships built on bad movies. Sorry, Felicia, for calling your, calling you out. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, but like, so we enjoy that, and we were trying to like, okay, if we can at least watch this and enjoy it, but we couldn't. It was just so bad. I'm sorry to hear that. What yeah. do you what's uh, what are you watching right now, Angela? What am I watching? I am. <laughs> 
I'm watching Unreal on Hulu. Oh, mm-hmm. yes, good show. Um, Unreal. I haven't started. I haven't seen that one it's yet. It's a show about reality TV. Mm-hmm. Is it good? It's it's a com- it's like a comedy drama. Oh, it's scripted. Thing. Okay. Yeah, it's scripted. Uh, it's okay. It's good to have on in the background. I'm so ADD these days, though, because I never have an off day. So I'm usually like checking email yeah, yeah. as I'm watching and not really. Sure. So I'm watching the same program like three times just to really get the storyline. I feel that. Uh, and for just filler, I've been watching The Bachelorette just because yes. I need some garbage. I just need garbage in my <laughs> I life. I love The Bachelorette. I just need We're the garbage this. in my life. <laughs> it's so garbage. Have you heard, do you know Petals and Pricks? No, what's that? Uh, do you know uh, Kelsey Huff and, and Jonah Jerkins, who are both comedians, have a show called Petals and Pricks, oh. and they're friends of mine. And I, I didn't know yeah. that they were doing a show together, and then I find out that their show is about The Bachelorette. No, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's, it's, I want to see. It's this. actually good. No, it's it's a podcast, and it's actually good. I enjoy it. What's it called? Petals and Pricks. Okay, I'll write it down. P e t a l s and Pricks. Uh, is it, yo? I'm I, I'm not. I haven't written a thing about this, but I've wanting to talk about it. Who is watching Handmaid's Tale? I am in the like I am like two or three episodes into the second season, so right. I am not. All, I know, I know, I know. I can't get not into this. It? You, oh. Oh, no, yeah, I've seen I mean, all of it. You can't get yeah. into it. But you've no, seen all of I've it. seen all of it, and I'm mad about it. <laughs> so why? Hold on, I have to. I have to ask. What about it do you not like? Oh, I love the show. I think okay. it's beautifully shot, well written, well acted. Like I love the show, but I'm talking about the arc this particular season. Oh, right. Okay. Oh. First couple of first three episodes, you're like, oh, this is fun and good. Mm-hmm. And then it just like it just it, it no up. spoilers, but uh, I'll give you a general spoiler. Like it dev- it just kind of devolves back into the torture porn of the first season. Where you just oh, go like, okay. how bad do I have to feel about myself to watch this every week? Because gotcha. I'm just like, mm-hmm. can what can I just get anything? Well, I, I you know what I think part of that is, and and this is kind of. This kind of happened for me with uh, Orange is the New Black. It's like, it's written, it's based on a book, right? And it's supposed to be the story of the book. But there's at a certain point you're just like oh gosh this is going well we how much further can we stretch this out and so they're like oh what did our audience react most to in the first season let's add more of that sure and it might not necessarily be the best storyline per se and you just end up in that uncomfortable space where you're just like i mean it's a thing (laughs) yeah but how many times am i like sitting in the back on my couch just like grab that and put it in that woman's neck. Right? For God's <laughs> oh my gosh, just kill them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, sorry, that yeah. sounds so terrible. But I know what you mean. Yeah. It's like you have two hands, you need to strangle someone. Can we do some something? Point. And they go, well, yeah, but if you were in that position, like, I wouldn't have been in that position. I would have been iced like in the first day of the takeover. Because oh, yeah. I would have been the mouthy guy like, come take me! And then I would have been dead. Or you would have been one of the senators, let's be honest. Me? No. Why? I wouldn't have lasted 10 minutes on the senator. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> who's electing, who's giving me like high praise and a job i don't know i guess it depends on how much brainwashing would actually work oh no uh, well i'm so an- i'm so starkly anti-religious like it wouldn't have lasted <laughs> i would have i would have easily been shot on my way to toronto it would my, my thing that i hate the most coming out of handmaid's tale is how many times someone has greeted me with blessed be the fruit no i'm like don't talk to me please don't talk to me under his eye no not under his eye oh 
Sorry, I'm yelling. I'm yelling for effect, but I'm not actually. If you haven't seen Handmaid's Tale or at least attempted to watch it, like it's just, so good, it's, and it's so good infuriating. And it's so bad. Uh, I don't know if I can have another show. Uh, it's 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 one of those shows you watch to get stressed out, like Black Mirror. That's Black Mirror. I get stressed for me. out walking oh, yeah, down yeah, yeah. the street. Oh my gosh, I'm really stressed Black out Mirror stresses me out so bad. I I have to. That's one of those shows that I have to watch with all the lights on because I like go into an existential crisis immediately. <laughs> I'm not watching any of these shows. Have you seen Have you seen Black Mirror? Yeah, I've seen Black mirror so, i think it's fun so i like good. it but I, I very much like that genre the dark like, dystopia yeah mm-hmm. i really i'm so fahrenheit 451 it's not fun <laughs> did you see the fahrenheit 451 movie i have not on hbo I, oh it's on hbo okay I oh, have HBO My, michael shannon uh oh. your boy um uh michael b jordan is in it right. wait what so it's already michael b jordan's in a movie maria when we coming over yo did you watch the, did you read the book yeah, yeah, okay. yeah it's like one of my yeah, yeah it's, it's, like one of my it's not very good. Well, well, you know, oh, like it's good. No, not the book. Oh, but I mean the movie. Oh, it, the movie. Is Michael oh, B. Yeah. Jordan shirtless at all? Yes. Good. Yeah. That's oh, all. I'll, I'm fine. Michael B. Jordan just isn't that good of an actor. I said it here first. He's uh, good. To look he gets, at, he's though. gotten great point. He's gotten great parts. He is a handsome, attractive young man. This is absolutely true. I'm just like, I wish you were a little bit better of an actor. That's right. I said it. No one's gonna I'm, agree I'm with okay. me at this table. I'm okay with that. Um, yeah, I look at him. I don't care. Uh, I haven't seen enough of his work to have an opinion. He's still just Wallace to me. Like, he's never not going to be Wallace. <laughs> yeah, that's a good show. Atlanta, though. That's one of the oh. yeah. Atlanta, I watch Atlanta. I haven't uh, seen the second season. because FX. Oh. No, because FX blocks all the stuff and you have you to my, steal it. I can give you my Prime login yeah. offline. Yeah. Oh, st- oh, because yeah, because I canceled. That was the things I canceled cable. I'm like, all right, Comcast, you can bite it. I'm done. I'm out. And then that was the first thing that went down. I was like, oh, I used to watch FX on like who or on uh, Roku or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Atlanta season two is better. I mean, season one's still great. Season yeah. two, like that's what I heard. I just haven't gotten into and there's it. There's an episode because you're into music that you'll mm-hmm. really like. It's a Teddy Perkins one. I could talk about it for months. It's fine. Uh, we don't have months. Unfortunately, we only have like a, a couple minutes left. But I, I'm, I I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do it. I'm just gonna. Bit torn it. That's right. Come get me, government. Come get me. Because uh, I got a long flight to London tonight. Whoa! Ooh. Is that why you're not going to be here next week? That's why I'm not going to be here next week. Oh, I'm going to be in London. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, my partner got a fancy going to do a thing conference thing. Ooh. And I get to just tag along. Nice. That's nice. So basically, I'm just going to be sad and broke while writing in London, which is like essentially what I'd be doing here. It's like right. the perfect artist. Mm-hmm. Right. I'll just be in, I'll wake up in a hotel room that I'm not paying for. And I'll walk around without my phone on the international plan that I'm not paying for. Yeah. And then I'll just uh, write nothing and feel bad about it. You know, that kind of stuff. But I'll be in London. Yeah. Yeah. London, 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 London. I've never been to England. <laughs> You've been to England? I haven't. I have. Uh, my only stopover in Europe was uh, on my way to Israel. I was in Madrid. But. Uh, the Madrid airport? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I had a stopover in Madrid. It's a beautiful city from the airport. Uh, it's lovely. There's yeah. a Chick fil A. No, I have, a, I have a goal to um, visit every single continent at least once in my life, except for Antarctica, because, like, what am I going to yeah, do there? Cold. Be friends with a penguin. Um, and I've gotten. Penguins are nice. Four already. Cool. If I include Europe, I guess Europe but is a I really continent. Shouldn't. Well, but I—I I mean, I had a stopover in Madrid. Does that really count? Oh, you haven't been. You haven't yeah, been outside. I haven't like been. Wow. Well, okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Where you been? I've been in a lot of places. What's the one place you really want to go? That I haven't been to. That you haven't been. Uh, I want to go to Costa Rica. That's oh, like, I'd love to go to Costa Rica uh, or Cuba. Those two are like next on my mm-hmm. list. Right on. Right on. Uh, money pending. I'm going to Paris next year, though. I've decided. You're gonna spend your money on Paris. 
Mm-hmm. Well, one of uh, one of our good friends is like it's her birthday, and she's always wanted to go to Paris. So like, if I put it out in the universe, then she has to go to Paris. Right on. What about you? Where you want to go? North America, son. Trying to get my money right. <laughs> I'm gonna get to Detroit next week. Oh my god, uh, Detroit oh for the improv. My god. <laughs> no, where where do you want to go? Uh, Ange. That's hilarious. I would. L- I mean, I'm open to what you know. I would love to see the world. I, I have not yet been fortunate enough to see it, uh, but I've met people from all over the world. When I was little, I used to want to go to Australia really bad because I don't know mm-hmm. because I have one of those like light up globes that you can move the little thing around mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. look and see and i just i don't know I, th- I thought that's very far away and it'd be really cool to visit and see what that's about australia i'd love to go yeah i'm gonna try to hit all of them i'm going slowly but surely one piece at a time i only go places where they pay me to go that's where that's, 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 that's where we're at that's, that's the life yeah. i'm on like <laughs> so. germany switzerland sweden if you pay me to go I'll yeah come. i'm very charmed i'm very charmed in that way i will come uh yeah. right, matt damon improv uh, if you'd like to pay us to go to your country absolutely <laughs> matt damon improv would be great in all places is improv improv i know is all over the world mm-hmm. but it's yeah. uh it's still a little behind right yeah uh, i i well we went to we went to atlanta we met these people from norway from yeah. Well, intensives too, because yeah. I, I taught intensives at Annoyance this sure. week, and people from all over, all over, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. come yeah. to take yeah. that. It's happening, but it's not. It's right. It's still Chicago coming. is definitely like the like oh, place. It's the way station. Yeah, yeah, it's the way America. station. It's yeah. where everyone comes and learns, and then they go elsewhere mm-hmm. or they go home. Did we mention that we're bringing Matt Damon Improv to Matt Damon's hometown? No, Boston. please tell yeah. me. Plug plug all the stuff. We're yeah. uh, we're out of time, okay. but like plug all the stuff. Uh, Give me the, the we're going quick to Boston. In September, bring a Matt Damon Improv uh, to his house. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and we have a GoFundMe for it. Um, the Boston Improv Festival? Is that what yeah, it is? Yeah, to Boston Improv Festival. We have a GoFundMe. Uh, the address, you, uh, what's the address? Well, you can just Boston. go on. You, find, us on mm-hmm. find us on Facebook, Matt Damon Improv. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Facebook, we're also on Instagram and Twitter, at Matt Damon Improv. You're able to find links to the GoFundMe. And also, we are headlining the uh, Bentwood Improv Festival here in Chicago on Monday, August 13th at 10 p.m. in the Del Close Theater. We will also be teaching a workshop the day before about breaking stereotypes at uh, I.O. on Sunday. I believe the workshop's like 12 to 3. It's a really cheap workshop for what they're, uh, compared to the other ones, it's like, what, $48, which is awesome. And then our weekly show, right? Yeah. Sundays, Sundays, nine thirty. At the at the wonderful, it's not brand new, but it's newer. It's newer. The wonderful yeah. annoyance space, which is a great place just to hang out and you know, oh, yeah. see some shows. Yeah, it's uh, super it's chill. awesome. So glad. Thanks everybody for coming in today, friends. It's, Thank it was you so for good. Us. It was so good this to have awesome. you. Uh, and uh, of course, this is uh, Bust a Mouth and JW Basile. You can get all this bit of business uh, every single Monday, except for next. Monday, because I'll be in uh, London. England, London. I'll be on the way back. I'll actually be flying over the Atlantic when the show, or maybe I'll be home. I don't know. We'll see. If I'm home, I'll come in and do a show. Otherwise, no, <laughs> don't plan on it. Um, but of course, follow us uh, online there, Busted Mouth on uh, Facebook and all over the planet, as well as the Busted Mouth Esteemed Audio Companion playlist on Spotify. And uh, WGHC is going to be the new FM call letter for this show coming up very, very, very soon. 1680 AM is going to get... Uh, I'm gonna. We're no longer gonna be on the AM. We're gonna be moving to the FM. So that's 98.3 WGHC. 98.3. Uh, yeah, buzzermouth.com. You know the thing. It's been fun. Thanks everybody for being here, and definitely check out Matt Damon Improv. Let's go out with uh, some some other wonderful Chicagoans. This is God Country Grave from our buddies Mutz. Mm-hmm.